We're talking about being on the verge. Say verge. Does anybody ever use that word? The only time we use that word is in that phrase. So I looked it up, and it's really, you know, it's from the Latin verge, and it means edge. To be on the edge of something. Not quite in it, not quite over it, but on the edge. It's, it, it, it's like Moses looking into the promised land, but can't go in. He's on the verge. But he never did go in. Some of us are on the verge of revival. We're on the verge of a breakthrough. We're on the verge of an answered prayer. We're on the verge of a healing, but we're not quite there. Our family's on the verge of being saved. But how many are tired of just being on the verge and you want an answer to prayers and a breakthrough? So as I went into the Scriptures, I began to think about paralyzed people, because that's how my brain works. Thinking about paralyzed persons, and it's kind of interesting that there's at least three that Jesus, you know, they're, they're on cots, and they bring them in. So th- there must be a reason for all three of them. And, and, and being on the verge, it's, you know, th- these guys must have often thought about, what is it, Jeremiah? I think it's Jeremiah 3.3, 3, right? Uh, and, 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 and talking about the waters of the Lord. Because in, uh, we're going to get into this in the book of John, but the first three miracles that Jesus does in the book of John are all about water. So he said, therefore, the showers have been withheld, and there has been no latter rain. You've had a harlot's forehead. You refuse to be ashamed. He said, we need the showers of the Lord. So let's look at the, our first of three stories John 5, verse 1. You know the story. Then Jesus returned to Jerusalem to to observe one of the Jewish holidays, holy days. We don't know which one it was. Inside the city near the sheep gate, there is a pool called in Aramaic, the house of loving kindness. Um, And it's it's called various things. It's also called the house of mercy. It's also called the house of, it depends how you interpret the, the Hebrew word there, but it can be the house of outpouring. How many want to live in the house of mercy? How many want to live in the house of outpourings? Because that's what mercy is. So, um, and this pool is surrounded by five covered porches. I could describe these. They found these. It's really two two elliptical pools. And um, there are two pillars at the end of one pool, two pillars at the end of the other pool, and where the two pools intersect, there's a fifth one, so there's five pillars. Hundreds of sick people were lying there on the porches. Reminds me of Sunday morning. (laughs) The paralyzed, who are still at home, um, the blind, who couldn't find church, and the crippled, all of them waiting, say waiting, waiting for their healing. So, because apparently they believed, now just because the Bible says this doesn't mean that's really what happened. It's just what they thought. Stay with me. For an angel of God would periodically descend into the into the pool to stir the waters, put his finger in there, and the first one who stepped into the pool after the water swirled would instantly be healed. Mm-hmm. 
Now, there was a man who had been disabled for 38 years, lying among the multitude of the sick. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that the man had been crippled for a long time. So Jesus said to him, do you truly long to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, there's no way I can get healed. I want to, but I can't. I want to, but I don't see it happening. I want to, but it's been a long time. I, I believe God can do it, but I've been waiting, and, and, and I don't doubt it, but it's just, I don't see it, you know, I don't know. He said, uh, there's no way I can get healed. Why? Because I have no one. How many know there's only, the only one you need is what the one with a capital O. I have no one who will lower me into the water when the angel comes. In other words, I can't be healed because, you know, religiously things have to happen a certain way. And well, 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 Pastor, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't preach like some of those, uh, some of those TV preachers, so I got to go run over here. And if I can just get to him, if I could, because j- I got no one. I got no one who could put me in the water. As soon as I try to crawl to the edge of the pool, someone else jumps in ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, stand up. Pick, stand up. I haven't stood up in 38 years. Stand up. Even, even if I were healed, you know, uh, uh, atrophy. Uh, pick up your sleeping mat and you will walk immediately, immediately. Didn't have to get in the pool. Didn't need a man to put him in. Immediately he stood up. He was healed. So he rolled up his mat. (laughs) It's one of those mattresses you roll up. Rolled up his mat and walked again. Now this took place on the Jewish Sabbath. John mentions that because the religious folk had a hard time with it. So... What's going on here? Number one, watch this. Watch these points. If you're a note taker, you're going to be writing a lot. Ready? Number one, he was trusting in religion more than in God. For 38 years, he came to church thinking that, you know, if I do this, then I get that. If, if I can get somebody to do this, for me, then if, if the right person puts his hand exactly in the right place, and, and there's a catcher behind me, uh, then, then I know, uh, then, see, because they excavated this thing, and they found under the pool, there, there's natural springs under there. And, and some, some theologians, as they study this, they wonder if this was even true about the angel and the finger in the water. And they think maybe every once in a while these pools would bubble up. And it, was, and it may have been a natural spring with minerals where some people may be getting better. You know how, church, you know how preachers are. If they just get a little better, it's a miracle from God. I mean, I mean, the whole thing got exaggerated, and all these people are sitting around Mineral Springs uh, getting ready to jump in the water like, like some big miracle. Maybe somebody got healed once. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it really was an angel. I don't know. But notice Jesus didn't throw him in the pool. 
Jesus didn't say, yeah, that's my angel. That's Michael. As soon as he comes down, I'll throw you in. Apparently, the pool didn't have the power. Jesus had the power. Listen, the church doesn't have the power, as it were. Jesus has the power. No, I don't walk around with power in me. I, it's not about me having power. Amen. I might be a conduit. You might be a conduit. But we're not the source of the power. I'm a... He was trusting in the system, trusting in the religion. And, and somehow, somehow, if I can just be the first one in the water, then I would be healed. But that faith in the system isn't going to get you what you need from God. And for 38 years, now you got to admire the guy. Don't blame the guy. For 38 years, I don't know who brought him to the pool, Uber. I don't know. Somebody brought him to the pool. You know, my question is, you know, whoever brought him to the pool, why didn't they throw him in the water? You know what the answer to that is? People can only help you so much. Sooner or later, you need to trust God. Somebody needs to trust God. It's not about throwing him in the water. It's not about our efforts. It's all about his touch. Oh, is anybody hearing me? Amen. So he wanted to be healed, but number three, I think I am. He wanted to be healed, but he was, he was settling for the status quo. That's just the way it's supposed to be. Sometimes God has to break us out of the way we think things ought to be. Well, Grandma got, got healed like this. This is how it happened. I'm waiting for that. Listen, how Grandma got healed might have nothing to do with how you're going to be healed. How the church does. Well, the church has to heal. No, no. Just, just trust him. Amen. He, he might heal you, heal you while you're singing really badly in the shower. <laughs> status quo. I, I met Ronald Reagan said something. He, he, said that, he said, you know what the status quo is? The same old mess. It's the same old mess. 38 years. But like I said, you got to admire the guy. He was there every Sunday. I'm here. And that's a good thing. He went where he thought the healer was. I'm not, I'm not fussing at the guy, except he, just, he was just on the verge. But, but kind of missed that last step that we're not healed by traditions or religion, religious traditions. We're, we're healed by faith in him. What he really needed was not a pool, but a face-to-face encounter with Jesus. You need Jesus. You don't need me. You need Jesus. You don't need grandma. You need Jesus. Quit blaming the church. You need Jesus. And Jesus says, get up and walk. And you know what they mean by bed. It's basically just a mat, you know. And he rolls it up. The very thing he was carried on, he carried out. The very thing that he was confined to, imprisoned, in bondage to, now became a place of rest. God will take the very thing that you're enslaved to, turn it around so now it becomes something that blesses you. Can you imagine when he went to bed that night and he he laid down on that same old stinky mat? 
I mean, you know, they don't change the sheets very often back then. He got on that same old stinky mat, but he said, in the morning, I'm getting up again. When I wake up in the morning, I'm getting off this mat. This mat's just for my comfort. It's not a bondage anymore. Come on, give him praise, amen. Hallelujah. The curse had become a blessing. What was on his back, well, I mean, what he was on was now on his back. Oh, God is good. But let's go to the second story. How many remember Acts chapter 3, verse 8, and the guy, the, the paralyzed guy at the gate, beautiful. Remember that? One afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple for the 3 o'clock prayer. 3 o'clock prayer. They didn't go to church once a week. Every three or four hours they're going to church. And they came to the entrance called the Beautiful Gate. There they were captured by the sight of a man crippled from birth, being carried and placed at the entrance to the temple. He was often brought there to beg money from those going in to worship. I'm just getting blessed. Well, don't get ahead. Don't get ahead of yourself. Next verse. When he noticed Peter and John going into the temple, he begged them for money. Peter and John, by the way, don't ever beg money from a preacher. Usually works the other way. Peter and John, looking straight into the eyes of the crippled man, said, look at us. Get your mind off my money bag. Expecting a gift, he, gift, he readily gave them as a. You know, it's amazing how people will get, how you can get people's attention when you just offer them something they want. Then Peter said, "I don't have money, right? King James, silver and gold have I none, but I'll give you this by the power of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk." Wow, Hallelujah. Peter held out his right hand to the crippled man. As he pulled the man to his feet, suddenly power surged into his crippled feet and ankles. The man jumped up, stood there for a moment, stunned, and then began to walk around. As he went into the temple courts with Peter and John, he leaped for joy and shouted praises to God. He made a commotion in church. Some people aren't used to this. Yeah, that's because people are walking and leaping and praising God because, you know, listen, don't judge people's worship because you don't know what God's done for them. You don't know how happy they are. You don't know how relieved they are. You don't know what kind of miracle they've received. So, yeah, man, just don't, just don't judge the exuberant when it comes to worship. Can I get an Amen. So here's the points here. Number one, he had an ugly problem sitting at a beautiful place. Okay, for those who have problems with strobes. I hate it when that happens. He had an ugly problem, like a strobe light, at a beautiful place. How many know sometimes we have ugly problems while at a beautiful place? It's kind of like coming to church sometimes. Everyone else is getting blessed, and we're seeing signs and wonders, and we're just kind of sitting on the verge. We're in a beautiful place, but kind of got an ugly problem. What was his problem? His problem basically was, you know, his, his, the muscles in his ankles 
or the bones in his ankles couldn't support him. There was nothing wrong with his body. He just didn't have the structure needed to support what God meant him to have. I just want to come by to say that a lot of churches have structure, but it may not be the kind of structure that will hold the glory. We need structure that will hold the glory. Remember that vision I had of, of a bathroom hook and hanging the, the robe on the hook and, and the weight of the robe just pulled the hook right out of the wall. You know, we need to have a structure that, that doesn't work the way the world works. We need a structure that works that will hold the glory of God. The word glory means heavy. In the Hebrew, kabod, heavy, the heaviness of God. The important things of God is what's glorious, and we need a structure that will hold the glory. Some people have great structure, but just that one thing. You need that one thing in the ankle bone that will hold all the structure. Is anybody following what I'm saying with? In other words, what he was born with could not hold the glory. What we're born with doesn't hold the glory. We need to be born again and get to the place where we can hold the glory. His structure couldn't hold him up. He was sitting on the verge. He was sitting at the gate. He was sitting at the doorway but couldn't receive. He watched people go in. Perhaps he saw people changed when they came out. He saw God do things for others, but couldn't get in the door to get it himself. He figured if I just get close enough, maybe a blessing will overflow on me. Maybe somebody that gets blessed will bless me. Sitting at the gate, sitting on the verge, but couldn't get what he needed. Coming to church for who knows how many years, all of his life, since he was a child. And, when, and surely when he became an adult, I don't know where his parents are at that point, but when he became an adult, somebody brought him to the gate, sat him down, and went into worship. And after they got blessed, came out, picked him up, and brought him home. You see, religion can only drop you off and pick you up. At the same place they dropped you off. Religion can't change you. Religion might bring you to the spot, but it won't get you through. And they'll pick you up when it's all over and take you home. Ah, I don't want to pastor a church where people just come and leave and their lives are never changed. I don't want to bring people. I don't want to invite people to this church just just to watch other people happy, other people blessed, other people healed, other people break through, other people walking around here like they got it all together. I want to bring people through those doors, get them in the presence of God, and let them experience God for themselves. Come on, lift up a praise to the Lord if you're in agreement. Wow. His only hope was the overflow. Overflow. 
instead of getting exactly what 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 is he what does he have to do? <coughs> he has to obey the command, rise up and walk. It's not about doing a certain thing. It's about believing what he says. Get up. Get up. I've never walked. Get up. I don't know how. (coughs) I've tried before. You've tried in your own power. Now try it in mine. (coughs) Y'all praying for me? So he gets up. And to his surprise, he's healed. Church, I believe we need a new approach to get into the glory. Let's get to the last guy. Let's get to the last guy that was brought in on a mat. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. Several days later, Jesus. I might have quit early. Y'all praying? Jesus returned to Capernaum, and the news quickly spread that he was back in town. Soon there were so many people crowded inside the house to hear him that there was no more room. God, make it happen a journey. Even outside the door. They couldn't get in the door. While Jesus was preaching the word of God, something happened. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man. But when they realized that they couldn't even get near him because of the crowd, they went up on top of the house and tore away the roof above Jesus' head. He's preaching, and he's like. (laughs) And when they had broken through, say broken through, and when they had broken through, they lowered the paralyzed man on a stretcher. He's preaching. He's like, oh, it's the first example of a download. I realize a certain percentage of the congregation has no clue what I'm talking about, but it was a download. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, where was I? On a stretcher, right down in front of him. I mean, what, what are you gonna, what's Jesus going to do, obviously? Is there another? Is that it? Okay. And then, and, then Mar- and then a few verses later, I say to this man, stand up, pick up your stretcher, and walk home. He always tells him, take your bed with you. Immediately, the man sprang to his feet in front of everyone and left for home. When the crowd, he didn't even stay for dinner, for Sunday dinner. When the crowds witnessed this miracle, they were awestruck. They shouted praises to God and said, we've never seen anything like this before. How many want to be able to say, we've never seen anything like this before? How many want to say that? So number one, we need Jesus in the house. Before Jesus came in the house, it was just another house. If Jesus is not in this it's just another building. Might as well rent it out for whatever purpose might generate cash. But if Jesus is in the house, it changes the house. Glory. I I remember hearing hearing a song here lately. He said, "I, I went... I went to the master's house, but the master was gone. He wasn't there. People are coming to church, but there's no Jesus there. And so they try to do little gimmicks and games and comfort and 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 
and just worldly attractions and entertainment to get the seats full. And you can fill a church like that, but Jesus isn't there. And the paralyzed will never be healed. By the way, you don't have to be physically paralyzed to relate to this. He said the paralyzed, the crippled, and the blind. Some people are blind. They, they can't see where to go. They can't see, you know, their answer. Some people are, are, are crippled in, in their feet and legs, which is, a symbol, which is symbolic of mission. They, they, they're, they're saved perhaps, but have nowhere to go, nothing to do for Jesus. They don't understand what to do. And some people are just paralyzed, maybe by fear. Maybe by doubt. They can't move at all. So how many know it's a spiritual thing or it's an emotional thing or a physical thing? What we need, church, is we need Jesus in the house. And until he's in the house, it's just a house. Wow. Number two, we must be willing to remove obstacles. Whatever's in the way. We need a made-up mind that says, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm receiving this because Jesus said I can have it. I know the enemy doesn't want me to have it. I know there are obstacles. Now, listen, roofs back then, how many know there were different than roofs today? It wasn't a shingle roof. It wasn't a metal roof. They didn't even have little, you know, like they have today in third world countries, little sheets of metal, aluminum, whatever. Tin roofs. It's whatever they can find. Branches, palm leaves. And as soon as they got a leak, they would just add some more to the top. They would just have layer of layer of thatch and grass and leaves and branches. And they would just grow and grow and grow. Whatever they can find, whatever, you know, whatever, just kind of keep the rain out. So who knows how long that house has been there and how thick it was. But they climbed up to the top and they began tearing through the leaves and the branches. And they began to come through. And they said, look, we're going to get there. And that man wasn't able to do it. Sometimes we got to help other people do it. So they all, the, the four men, they start tearing a hole, and the guy's laying there on his cot on top of the roof, you know, doing what he can do. And they keep tearing through. Listen, we got to be able to get through whatever we got to get through. Layers of tradition, layers of fear, layers of doubt, layers of opposition. Whatever it is, we just got to keep tearing through. You know, you know some people... For some people, that was their ceiling, but for them, it was just their floor. For some people, they thought, that's as high as I can go. For them, they said, no, I, I, can, go, I can go. I can get through this. We need to change our perspective. We need to be willing to go higher and remove all the layers that have prevented us. There are Christian people who don't believe in healing. Or if they do, they, they, they don't pray for it. It's just rare and weird. If it happens, fine. I believe it. But they, they're not willing to go up on the roof. They're not willing to get through the crowd like, like the woman with the reaching for the hem of the garment. Listen, church, don't die at the door. 
Quit living on the edge. Revelation 3 talks about this, and we'll close. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking. Did you hear what I said? He's knocking. If anyone hears my voice and, and you got to open the door. Just because he's knocking doesn't mean you go into a, a war hoop. Woo, he's knocking. Woo. Open the door. Woo, he's in the house. Open. I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And then the very next verse, it's the very, I know it's the next chapter, but how many know when they wrote the book of Revelation, John didn't have chapters and verses. So this is the very next verse. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'm sorry, and then next verse, chapter 4. After these things I looked, after these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after. I'm going to show you some things. This morning as they prayed for me, Julie, you remember this? You prophesied this very thing. You didn't know what I was going to preach. She said, Pastor, there are doors that have been closed for many years that you have forgotten about, and God's about to open them. I think sometimes we forget that he did promise something. That in a revival meeting somewhere, God spoke to our heart. Not only are we not opening the door, we have forgotten there was a door. He says, I'm on the other side knocking. And then in the next verse, we see an open door. When I got that prophecy, the Holy Spirit prompted me also by saying this. He said, I'm about to water the seed that's been lying dormant in the ground. He said, there's seed that hasn't hasn't come up yet, not because there's anything wrong with the seed, It just hasn't been watered. And the Holy Spirit said, pour some water on some people's seed this morning. Seed that perhaps, like like that seed in the desert. What is it? Once every hundred years, they get a major rain. And seed that's been in the ground for generations will, will just rise up and flower beautifully and produce seed, put it back in the ground waiting for the next rain. That's the thing about blessing. It's not just a blessing for today. Every blessing you receive today is seed for tomorrow too. I'm standing before you telling you God is wanting to water some seed. God is wanting to open some forgotten doors. God's about to visit you. God's about to make, oh, I feel this in my spirit.